Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. many ways to interact with free birth society. These include our incredible offering, The Complete Guide to Free Birth, which is the most comprehensive online course available on how to give birth in your power. We also have a beautiful free birth meditation program called the Sovereign Birth Meditation Series, designed to help you release your fears and actualize your dream birth. Our latest course is called Through the Veil, a profoundly personal, radical pregnancy companion program by Yolanda Norris Clark that offers the opportunity to travel with Yolanda as she moves through the last trimester of her most recent pregnancy and invites you into her birth room to witness the birth of her eighth child. And if you're looking for a deeper connection and the opportunity for sisterhood in community with radical, like-minded women, the Free Birth Society private membership is for you, and you can apply on our website to become a member. We also offer personalized one-on-one transformational coaching with a focus on learning the tools to move out of victim consciousness and towards self-responsibility. Skills that translate to freedom, not only in the context of birth and mothering, but in every area of life. And finally, we are offering all of you, our amazing listeners, the free gift of Yolanda's 20-minute Birth Affirmations audio recording, a gorgeous, soothing meditation that every pregnant mother should have. So just head on over to our website at freebirthsociety.com, sign up, and Yolanda's affirmations will be sent directly to your inbox. Yolanda here, and I'm so excited to tell you about my latest endeavor with Free Birth Society. It's called Through the Veil, and it's an invitation for you to join me on the most profoundly intimate experience of my life and yours, the journey of moving through the birth process into the underworld of birth to be reborn as a new mother into a new family once again. Through the Veil is a very raw, very real third trimester birth and postpartum week-by-week program that includes 17 videos in which I discuss exactly how I prepare for my free birth, including so many of the messy, emotional, logistical, and relational issues that aren't often talked about in the conventional prenatal context. Through the Veil also includes the hour-plus-long documentary of my eighth baby's birth, an incredibly loving, incredibly vulnerable, gritty, agonizing, naked, and beautiful family birth that I'm so, so proud of. I really look forward to you journeying with me through the veil.
This week, I sit down with elder witch Jane Hardwick Collings, an Australian midwife whose wise musings on our blood mysteries is guaranteed to blow your mind. If you want to reclaim your blood as power, this episode is for you. Enjoy our conversation. I loved it. I'm so happy to be doing this and, and you really are an, um, a answer to my prayers because before I knew about you, um, I kept receiving messages and requests to have an episode on not just blood mysteries, but also on how to reframe our relationship with our cycles. Um, and then like some magic some magic experience. Someone sent me uh, an episode that you did, and I'm just so thrilled to have you here. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit about about what led you into becoming so beautifully, masterfully um, passionate and articulate about 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 women's bodies and and blood mysteries. Oh well, thank you, first Emily. Thank you so much for inviting me to have this conversation with you and all your listeners. It's a, it's a great honor. And I just love your free birth society and just want to say how supportive I am of that. My teacher and mentor, the late Janine Pavati Baker was, you know, she, she coined the phrase free birth and she was a coiner of phrases. And uh, she also coined the phrase of birth keeper so my um, time with her was very much about her orientation towards free birth and her lovely one-liner that I repeat in all my workshops as I speak to the women around pregnancy and birth about what their options are so that they know that there's no such thing as not being allowed to do something as such, that her one-liner of, why pay a professional to be paranoid for you? <laughs> Which, you know, just says it all. Yeah, but, right? Yeah. So in answer to your question of how did I get to where I am, so I'm now a postmenopausal grandma, 61 years old, and I've been a midwife for a long time. I did my midwifery training at 25 years old because I wanted to have a baby and I wanted to learn all about it. Mm. So I had a um, 30 years as a home birth midwife here in Australia in both city and country kinds of areas. And why I got to where I am is because I learned from the women I served as a midwife that uh, contrary to what I was taught as a midwife in training, that birth is actually part of a continuum that includes our own birth, hmm. our childhood experiences, our menarche, our first period, our experience of our menstrual cycle, and then everything that we've birthed, including other than human babies. So I've learned so much from, from the women that I served and then did lots of research around rites of passage and 
the shamanic approach to understanding all of this of how it plays out in a person's life. And so the other part to why I delved deeply into all these other aspects as a midwife was that I saw over and over again that the birth altar, as I call it, so when somebody begins their birthing process and begins the opening to bring their baby earthside, that so often that it's kind of too late to be rewriting their inner psychology Mm -hmm. at that point. Totally. So I realized that actually the best preparation for a woman giving birth is to understand what she's bringing to birth. So that includes all the stories of her previous rites of passage, obviously her birth and everything I just said before, childhood trauma and wounds because they play out forever in our lives and then our menarch, and then um, to recognise themes and patterns that have developed over the years through our rites of passage. And that helps a woman to understand what she's bringing to her birth in terms of imprints and uh, family stories and her red thread or generational trauma that she's playing out, whether she realises it or not. and the cultural story that she's in, whether she likes it or not. Right. And really, truly, her experience of her menstrual cycle and her attitude to her body. And there's so much information out there around all of this that I have found and have um, discovered and, and written. And so the best preparation for birth is really like whatever the best preparation for life is. And we go all the way back to as as, um, in our egg form, being in our actual grandmother's womb from our mother in her womb from 20 weeks gestation when all her eggs form. So that's when things start to form within us that will play out in how we give birth. So gentle birth for our babies is the best thing we can offer them to have less a less complicated life. Mm-hmm. But in the real, like beyond that, in actual, um, when someone's alive before they're, uh, um, you know, after they're born, that whatever happens at our menarch, you know, our first period will directly impact our experience of giving birth. So mm. as, as, as women in our communities now, one of the best things we can be doing to preserve birth in the future is welcoming our daughters and nieces and community girls into womanhood at their menarch in the most empowering way we can. Because she who is initiated into womanhood at the altar of Menarch is the woman who shows up at the birth altar completely brainwashed with everything that she, her experience taught her about how she had to behave as a woman to be accepted by the culture. Mm-hmm. And then for women past their Menarch in preparation for birth, we have 
the opportunity with our menstrual cycle to work with the energy of the menstrual cycle to prepare for birth in Mm -hmm. terms of the opportunities that the menstrual cycle offers us Mm -hmm. to renew, rejuvenate and rebirth ourselves every month. In other words, to let go of all that no longer serves so that we can be the woman we want to be. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got into um, the kind of continuum perspective of all of this and in another way to say that is the shamanic dimensions of birth, Mm -hmm. using the term shamanic for its meaning of the interconnectedness. So there's so much going on and so much that will have already gone on that impacts how we give birth and... uh, Yeah, so I think that one of the other really big things, I've already said it with the menstrual cycle, but I think that menstrual shame, which is a cross-cultural pandemic problem, is having a massive effect on women and their bodies and how they give birth. So that's a long answer to a short question. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great. It brought up so many things that I remembered now from that I wanted to talk about from the other episode that I heard that I adored so much. Um, yeah, and it's really, it's the antithesis to this concept of compartmentalizing birth in a hospital room as if it is this singular experience that you just go out and do and then you come home and return to your life. And it's obviously completely um, harmful and incorrect. And, and yeah, to go back to the continuum concept, uh, one of the things that, one of my big takeaways from hearing you speak previously was that was so striking and so simple um, was that whatever the rite of passage is, is the rite of passage. That, as I understood how you shared it, was um, you can't get out of the rite of passage, but it's how you walk through that rite of passage that obviously colors and informs the rest of your life. And I really appreciated that because it's, it's kind of easy without thinking about it too much to see rites of passage as these things that require great intention, but really that's the honoring and the reverence of the rite of passage. It's, I just really, really appreciated that concept that no matter what it is, the way you get born is your rite of passage into this Mm. earth. The way that you, you know, are treated and and spoken to around your menarch is your rite of passage. The way the first time you have sex is your rite of passage, regardless of how it goes down. Um, and to really sit with that concept was like, mm. oh shit, yeah. It's we mm. don't get out of that. It's mm. so awesome to realize. Yeah, absolutely. And and a wake up call, right? <laughs> yeah, because you know our culture has like dropped the idea of rites of passage. It's getting re um, reimagined and and brought back in, especially as women who have a degree of awareness of this concept decide that they don't want their daughter for example to have a similar menarch to what they had which was potentially like you know no no big deal and actually more likely a shameful and yucky experience so it's changing and yeah so it behooves us to pay attention to these times because Basically, what happens at a rite of passage, and that's like you just said, whether you're paying attention to it or not, whatever happens Mm -hmm. teaches us on a subliminal level, which means we don't even realize we're being taught. And another way of saying that is that we're being brainwashed. 
about how our culture values the next role we're going into. So at Menarch, it's woman, and at childbirth, it's mother, mother of one, two, three, four, whatever, because each time it's different. So we're being taught how our culture values that role and therefore how we need to behave to be accepted by our culture. Mm -hmm. And humans are herd animals. And what that means is that we have an innate primal need to belong. Like if we don't feel like we belong, then we know on a deep primal level that we are in danger. And so we do whatever we have to do to belong. And so our rites of passage are part of that process that we learn about what we have to do to belong. And the... um, All you have to do is look at the statistics to see what's actually being taught to us about the value our culture plays on in terms of birth, mother. Or or all you have to do is talk to two women. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, you you throw throw this question out to a group of women and you you will be hard-pressed to find maybe one who has a positive menarch story. You know, it's, it's... it's and of course you know globally the way it's weaponized against us and and like you said the the kind of innate messaging you know just for anyone who this is a new concept to and part of where i want to take this conversation is the reclamation of our blood mysteries the the um creating more awareness and giving you some food for thought as you listen to this of how you speak about your cycle how you think about it and really taking some responsibility in that awareness that that shapes, um, like, like Jane is saying, that that shapes your experience forevermore to your body. And also if you have daughters that they're watching you and they're learning from you. And so with that being said, that was another thing I wanted to throw out that I just loved so much was you pointing out, um, as I've heard you say a couple times now, that your relationship to your blood is a spiritual practice, whether you like it or not. Ooh. <laughs> oh, so good. I loved that. I was yeah. like, yes, that mm. is such a beautiful thing to contend with. And then if, you know, and, and stay with us here, if that's a new concept, what does that mean in your life? What is your spiritual practice? And, and really get honest with how you talk about your cycle and going back to the point you just made of how society has taught us how to be with our cycle. What are the obvious messages? Plug it up, keep going, hide it under every possible, you know, product, um, you know, that it's dirty, that it's disgusting. Um, you know, there's obviously religions around the world that you are not to be touched or witnessed or slept with. If, um, if you have the audacity to bleed, you know, all of this just, you know, deep, deep, deep messaging that goes everywhere from the, you know, highly oppressive religious, you know, concepts to even just the, you know, girl on the horse wearing white, uh, you know, in the Tampax commercial. Like it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's a big piece here that we need to really know. And that is that Menstrual shame that is, as I said, everywhere and reinforced by um, a disempowering menarch, menstrual shame leads to body shame. Like, no questions. They're the same thing. Exactly. (laughs) And body shame leads to low self-esteem and low self-esteem leads to all manner of things, including self-harm, eating disorders, and the saddest thing I 
feel dangerous sexual decision making. Mm-hmm. And the many industries that are literally predicated on us having low self esteem, right? The makeup industry, the fashion industry, the shaving industry. I mean, tons of industries are thriving because of our own insecurities mm. or lack of self-love or what have you. That's right. Yeah. And like, imagine what we could do as a global union of women to change so many things if we decided to embrace our menstrual cycle and enjoy it and be rid of all those things like you just said. Like there would be so much money to be saved, so much energy to be saved and so much, um, well, self-esteem to be saved. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned before about our children. So I wanted to add to that that it's such a responsibility of a mother around her menstrual cycle, how she looks after herself exactly how you were saying before, what she, how she speaks about it, et cetera, because she is teaching her children in the way that she is with her cycle about how to be with a menstrual cycle. Yep. It's, and, you know, not just the girls, the boys. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is always to just openly menstruate So with your children. So, I mean, from when they were little, you probably never got to go to the toilet on your own anyway, so right. it's really no change. But to to speak about it, they they only take in what they can take in, and you can't bloody, you know, scare them by having a natural body process. Mm-hmm. And they need to know that that's what it is. So talking about your blood, you know, yeah, mummy bleeds when I'm not having a baby, or whatever words make the most sense. And for for them to see you be changing pads or or whatever, so that they know that it's a thing, not some. Uh, something that they discover later oh to like, like hidden what away. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, weird. I mean, how um, many women have the story that their mom saw the bloody underwear and then they wa- the the girl walks into the room? So many of my friends have the story. The girl walks into the room and there's just pads on her pillow and that's it. That's mm-hmm. the initiation, you yeah. know. So it's it's just nothing. There's nothing there. But like you said, that is her rite of passage. That now shapes everything that happens after that. Absolutely. And she learns from that moment her variation of the teaching that it's not important, Mm. it doesn't matter, and there's nothing to be said about it. So Mm. when you internalize that, that means don't talk about it. Right. And um, carry on regardless. Right. And that, that's the peril because if you carry on regardless with your menstrual cycle, in other words, ignore it, ignore the cycle, and what I mean by that is not flow with the energy of the cycle, then you will develop pathology so that you will. Mm-hmm. That's just the way our bodies work. Our bodies speak to us with messages via sensations, uh, feelings, And if you don't pay attention to that, it turns into pathology. And the pathology in the menstrual cycle is like going through the roof. And infertility is one of the pathologies of the menstrual cycle. And we just know how big that is these Mm -hmm. days. And then what do you think about endo? How does endometriosis play into all of this? Absolutely. In the same way. And polycystic ovary and adenomyosis. It's, yeah, it's, that's like, 
that's worst case scenario of this situation. Mm-hmm. That's menstrual pathology to the max. Mm. And it's also environmental, you know, like the the fertilizers used in food production. Uh, yeah, everyone's hormones are all out of yeah, whack. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has a major impact on it. However, there are there are ways to deal with that that um, can potentially limit the um, uh, negative experience of it. You know, like uh, help with the symptoms and and an understanding of how to be with the cycle in a way that, and their body in a way that may give them more information to be with it. But, you know, like it doesn't just start with endometriosis. Right. There's stuff that happens before. Of so, course. Well, and know, it's like the, the water that the fish is swimming in. Like when an entire culture says, you're disgusting, ignore your body, like you said, don't talk about it, plug it up and keep going, act like a man in the workplace, like all, all of the messaging that females get. And then shocker, everyone has issues. I mean, Mm. it's not funny. It's tragic. It's deeply tragic. Um, and yet it's almost so glaringly obvious that we forget to connect those dots. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. I mean, same thing with birth, obviously like, Oh, everyone has birth trauma. Let's talk about why that is. It's not birth. There's nothing wrong with birth. We don't need to improve birth. My God. No, you can't. <laughs> My God. Yeah. So, so okay. So where I'm really interested in going, now that we laid some, some groundwork down, where I'm really interested in going is a lot of women uh, message me and, and share with me their desire to heal and reframe and, and reclaim their cycle or their blood mysteries, whatever we're going to call it, and wondering how to do that. And so Mm. I would specifically say my audience uh, for this podcast is a really great demographic because these are very intelligent, very intuitive, you know, very curious women who are ready to think outside the box and are ready to heal. And so so a woman who, what would you say to someone like that? Who's like, okay, well, this all sounds great. I understand that I, I, you know, would love to take this back and create a positive relationship, but where do I start? Okay. Well, so the first thing to do is to understand what has happened already and how that's affecting them. So step one, recall your menarch experience. So sit down and have a journaling experience with as much dedication that you want to give that process. You know, you could even light a candle and set an intention and um, secret yourself away so that you've got a chunk of time to dedicate to that and just write it all out. Now, if you can't remember your menarch, that's information. Mm -hmm. So ways to deal with that are to potentially ask your mother if she can remember and then if not, then recall when you can remember having your period, say when you're a teenager or something, and then try and track back and get to where around the age that you think you must have been when the blood first came and think about what was going on in your world at that time, especially in your own family. So like, you know, sometimes things in families big things happen in families that can overshadow a menarch, like in the family context, not in the individuals, like, yeah, divorce, a grandparent dying, moving, some sort of big accident or whatever, or even a war zone, whatever. And then 
then that will be that will be potentially the thing that's um, taking a bigger priority or did take a bigger priority in terms of putting down memory. But the memory will be there and it will be tinged by or flavoured by whatever the thing that was happening at the time. So, like, let's just say, um, say there was a grandparent dying and the family was completely fixated on that rather than the blood coming and maybe they didn't even tell their mum that it came, say, mm-hmm. then, then her menarch experience or her initiation into womanhood or the thing that happened that taught her how to behave to be accepted in her new role will be tinged by, in that example, grief. Mm-hmm. And also potentially that uh, there are more important things in the world than her reaching womanhood. So that's a bit of extra complication. Mm -hmm. So write down your experience and then ask of the experience, so, you know, yourself, what did this teach me about being a woman? So just some examples to help people get along that path. in that process would be that example you were giving of the pads on the pillow and nothing else spoken about it, then, you know, what that might have taught somebody is the examples that we already gave. So say, this doesn't matter, this is not important, keep it to yourself, don't talk about it. So therefore, to be a woman, to be accepted by our culture, you need to ignore your body and carry on regardless and give no importance to the menstrual cycle, for example. So then, so recall the story of your menarche, figure out what this taught you about being a woman, and then how has this been playing out all your life? And that's the interesting bit, obviously, (laughs) and the, the part where we get to see the actual, like, massive impact it's had. So identifying that theme then um, makes it more sort of real in terms of how it has stayed with you and has lasted with you and is actually still playing out. So identifying all that is the key piece. And then you could tie that to births, if you've had births, of how did that theme play out in my birth? And that's like outrageous when you start unraveling that. Hmm. But just identifying the menarch to start with. And then with the understanding that we know that if a girl ha- doesn't have an empowering menarch or, you know, worse, has a disempowering menarch, what happens is she experiences what in shamanism is called soul loss, hmm. which in psychology is called disassociation or potentially another way to look at it is rejection yeah. of the qualities that may that would have been hers had she had an empowering menarch. So the idea is that if you see, see we are hardwired. Well, I'll just go back one step. We are hardwired as babies when we're born to expect that our mother will look after us. Simple. We are hardwired at menarch to expect that a group of women will welcome us to womanhood and that our mother will teach us, mother and other aunties will teach us all about the cycle, what it means, how to be with it, and teach us all about our body and what we have to do to uh, be and live in 
power and respect of our woman body now. So, like, that's not happening, right? So we what what the effect of that is we don't have the experience where we know our innate feminine power. So the soul loss or what we are disassociated from is feminine, our innate bodily feminine power, which is critical for birth, just quietly. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, that's the obvious way that it impacts in terms of um, the effect of the menarche on birth. So mm-hmm. the idea there is that we can heal our menarche. And rites of passage are community events, you know, rites of passage are cultural events, rites of passage create and reinforce culture on the inside by the mindset, the attitudes, beliefs and fears that the experience creates and on the outside by everybody conforming to the ways you have to behave to be accepted. So, you know, we have to create our own culture and what we can do that, the one of the ways we can do that and that women are doing is by reclaiming their men, their menarche and healing their menarche in community with each other. And there's all sorts of joyous ways to do that. You know, just an example would be you gather together in ceremony, so it's not a, it's not a tea party, it's a ceremony, in circle with each other and perhaps you, you know, do all the groundwork and the setup to create co-create sacred space and maybe this needs to be for one woman at a time so it's not rushed because one of the most important things in healing is being heard. So the circle would hear a woman's menarche story and basically the answers to those questions that I said, how that created the whatever that turned her into whoever she is, etc. They hear her story and then they recreate a menarche experience where you do some ritual where as a, as a collective sisterhood, you welcome her to womanhood in a new mm, way. You know, you sweet. can just, yeah, use your imagination to, to dream that up. I mean, ceremony is part of humanness, right. so it's not hard to dream that up. And then, you know, then there's a new story. And um, so the importance of doing this work is that the, the child in us who was or wasn't welcomed into womanhood the, the, the girl in us and the experience she has, that she had at her menarche, that girl, she doesn't ever go away. Right. She is within us all the time, forever, and is most likely in her most wounded version of her in our driver's seat all the time. Right. So, <laughs> as we all well know. So, right. doing things like healing our menarche will help that inner child who's wounded upgrade her operating system, for want of a better word, Mm -hmm. and be able to help the adult us function better. So you can do this healing menarch story, or not story, ceremony, uh, on your own too. Like if you didn't have a community, then you could do it on your own. And you could just go through that process and possibly a way to do it would be when your next blood comes. So here's the other opportunity that especially happens around birth is that when women get their blood back after having a baby, when their period returns, they can treat that as if it's their first period. It felt like it. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I literally said, I'm a woman again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so there's a <laughs> Yeah. So there's the opportunity, you know, uh-huh. you can you can reenact it. And you could do that every period as well. So for right. people who are long past having babies. So there's no reason to not do this and there's every opportunity to do it. And even postmenopausal women can do it. I do that with women all the time. So you know, they can use earth, mud instead of blood and anoint themselves with that or mm-hmm. water or whatever. But reclaiming our wounded rites of passage is part of the work of our time. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are some practical things too, you know, that, that yes, ceremony, of course, and that's so important. And, and also in your day-to-day, I, you know, some ideas that come to mind are, um, you know, when, when we see our blood, a practice that I have, when I see my blood, I'm actually bleeding right now. So it's so appropriate for this call, um, <laughs> is, is I thank it. And mm-hmm. I genuinely, not in, I guess, a forced weird way, because part of my commitment to my wellness is to create a lifestyle. And I have created a lifestyle that is in, um, relaxation with the phases of my cycle. And so, you know, I take that very seriously. And so something, these are just kind of some practical ideas throughout the day, but I thank my, my blood. I do not do social stuff. I, uh, you know, in that chapter and that season before I start bleeding, when I'm tired and drained and don't have a lot to give, I let myself be tired and drained and don't have a lot to give. And I'm, I'm not going to feel poorly about noticing that I might take a little nap when I put my baby down for, for a nap that day and, and clearing my schedule and really giving it, uh, some freaking space. I mean, that's really all it is. Like, yes, I feel very reverent of it. And yes, I, I am so, I'm just feeling so fortunate as we talk about this because, um, I did have a positive menarche story. And, and as you were kind of going through all of this, I was realizing the, on the positive side, how it's impacted me as a woman and now a mother and in my birth and mm. that, right. And, and, and actually I'd love to share it cause I've, I've never really shared it before. It's a sweet, quick little story. I didn't get my blood until I was 14. So I really wanted it. You know, all the other girls had gotten it and I was just so excited for it. And I was in dance class. I was wearing khakis and I had a mirror in front of me and the whole, I went to a performing arts school. So all the kids were dancing and I went into a straddle and in the mirror, (laughs) I saw some blood and I was like, you know, it was a mixture of, you know, embarrassment because my legs were spread and there were boys in the class and also just pure elation. And so I excused myself and I went to the front office and I had the front desk guy call my mom and I called her and I said, mom, I just got my period. And she said, okay, I'll be right there. And she came and she picked me up and we went and went out to lunch. Nothing big. We just went out to lunch, just she and I. We got some kind of like cute underwear and some training bras <laughs> and it wasn't a big deal. You know, it wasn't like some big ceremony or anything, but it was so positive. And I also had a mother who I've never heard speak negatively about herself and her body. Mm. Um, and that's huge. I really mm. see how she doesn't wear makeup. She just... She's just very happy and comfortable in her own skin. 
And, you know, it took me to be a woman to really get how significant that impact has been on me. Um, and, Mm. and being with, you know, all of my sisters who did not have mothers like that. Um, and so, yeah, so then that, you know, brings us through, like you said, this whole continuum concept of then my birth and my relationship to, um, even the sensations of labor and, and everything that unfolded, um, I never went into this story of like, it's too much, like it's against me. It never felt like that. I mean, it got heady for sure, but it never felt, um, yeah, like it was some enemy attacking me, like some, like some women experience. And then same with postpartum, I free bled and, and it just, it just has always been such an integrated part of my life. And I very much have my mom to thank for that because it was for her and without even a lot of conversation, it just was never a hidden thing. My dad never said anything negative about it. It was just fine, you know? Mm, and and so I, wonderful. Yeah, right? And I'm really, mm. I mean, I'm really feeling that, that it's um, just how profound to have welcomed my blood in excitement and that my mother shared that with me and that it was that simple. You know, and that it really did impact me. And and like you said, you don't get out of the rite of passage. So that was my rite of passage. And mm. it was simple and wonderful. And um, anyway, so I guess where I wanted to go with that was the self-talk and the um, the way that we choose to talk about our blood. And I know many women listening have painful cycles. Okay. You know, I don't know what that's like. But I have to say, I bet that's related. <laughs> You know, that my cycles are so easeful um, and I have a positive relationship with it. So I, I'd have to assume that those are connected. They totally are. You know, like, so there's some famous kinds of quotes around this. Alexandra Pope, who runs the Red School in the UK, the menstrual cycle is the barometer of our well-being. Mm. So what that means is that everything that's going on in your life shows up in your menstrual cycle. Wow. And also the genius medical um, system or group of medical minds has realized just recently that the menstrual cycle is the barometer of our well-being <laughs> and have now called it the fifth vital sign. So, like, you know, that's a very significant and important thing to notice. And like I said before, and like you're a great example of, if the body needs to get your attention, one right. of the places it gets your attention is in the menstrual cycle. So especially around the uh, experience of bleeding and especially in the third week of the cycle. So how you do or don't look after yourself during the bleeding, and that's often what people think the whole cycle is about, just the bleeding, but that's a small part of the cycle. It's directly impacting the rest of the cycle, but it's only like, you know, three to seven days long. However, however you look after yourself or not during that impacts the entire rest of the cycle. And the place it usually shows up in its magnificence or not is in week three of the menstrual cycle, which has been totally pathologized and Mm -hmm. turned into PMS or PMT or whatever. And actually what that is, is the harvest phase of the cycle where you get to see the results of how you've lived the cycle in that Mm. particular cycle so far. 
And, you know, we, we are notoriously known to be, you know, what do we say, like uh, bitches, basically, which I, I, I listened actually to um, Mariana Williamson on a speech at a conference recently where she was uh, equaling the term bitch to be the modern way that women feared to be and were called witch in the past. So that's interesting. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. that connection. But anyway, so the point being that everything that's not working in our life shows up in week three of our menstrual cycle. Wow. And we do have this predilection to blame other people. You know, well, you know, if you'd done more around the house or if you blah, 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 blah then I wouldn't be blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we actually have to stop blaming other people for our menstrual experience, take responsibility for yourself because self-care is what we have to do. And you beautifully explained what you you do around your menstrual cycle earlier. I mean, your bleeding phase earlier. And... and this is this is very intentional. This did not just, you know, nobody in my life waved a wand and said, I'm going to create a life for you where you can choose to take slow days before you bleed. Like, I want to be very clear, you know, that, that this was a choice to create my life in such a way that allowed for that spaciousness. And it's not, uh, what's the right word? I mean, it is easeful because it's with great intention, but it, 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 I think where I got the idea was a long, long time ago reading that uh, Christine Northrup's Bodies Wisdom, I can't yep. remember the title, you know what I'm talking about? Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. Yeah, and, and there's a huge section in that book that really helped me um, talking about the permission to slow down and what happens in our innate wisdom when we get this listen (laughs) to what our body really wants instead of the very patriarchal, uh, you know, training to just override it, override it, take the ibuprofen and keep going. And, you know, and, and in the workplace, which I am very intentionally not in a corporate you know, paternalistic workplace, but you know, I have great empathy for those women who 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 make that choice to be in, in those environments because you have to play like a man, you know, and men don't get periods. Men don't have the same, you know, ebbs and flows in a month that we do. And so you don't get to just take period days. But but in that book, she really just did a great job for me at that time. Um really articulating that and that our cycle, you know, comes in these seasons and that there is a time for rest. And to, even though our culture in no way, shape or form, um, accommodates that, that it really starts internally. And like you just said, taking responsibility for that. And I really chewed on that and was like, well, what does that look like? And what happens when I do that? And really, it's not that big of a deal. I might cancel some meetings. I might uh, cancel a date with a friend. I might, you know, take my whatever. I mean, whatever it is, I might uh, push things back. But in doing that and in prioritizing myself, also the women I serve learn how to do that because Mm. I'm canceling my meeting because... I'm, I'm in, I'm in my harvest time, you know, I'm in, I'm in my relaxation time and I need to give that to myself so that I has, have easeful periods. Mm, I, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't slow down and, um, include radical self care in your day during your bleeding phase and just before you'll pay for it. No question about it. Mm. And the cycle that we go through 
is the same cycle that everything goes through. There is actually only one cycle and it's right. birth, growth, full bloom, harvest, decay, death, rebirth, growth, full bloom, harvest, decay, death, rebirth, over and over and over again. So even this conversation is having a cycle. A day has a cycle. The earth seasons have the cycle that we know and see and experience probably in the most obvious way. The moon does the same cycle and we all know the connection between the moon and our menstrual cycle. So the cycle as it goes through the menstrual cycle is, if we think of it in terms of the seasons, that the bleeding phase is like the depths of winter. So we all know what we're supposed to do in the depths of winter or else. And then we emerge from the winter, the cave, say, and then we go through spring and, to, and summer and our ovulation is like the peak of summer or like our own personal full moon. And then we go through to autumn where is week three and the harvest and then into the end of autumn and beginning of winter in the week before the menstrual cycle. So if you remember how we need, how the earth goes through the cycles, then that's like the pattern or the map. And we can heal this in one generation, mm-hmm. you know? So all, it requi- all it's required are the mothers to help their daughters understand their bodies and uh, learn the cycle and how to be with it. And when, we, when we're trying to start ourselves off with this, like if, 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 our, if your listeners are thinking, okay, all right, great, this is good, but where do I start? So step one is charting your menstrual cycle. And I don't mean just ticking dates on the calendar when you're bleeding. I mean like, okay, day one. And that's the first day of blood. And not spotting but the first day of blood flowing and, and have a, have a, there's lots of products to use to um, chart your menstrual cycle. You can make one up yourself. There's apps too. But the thing I'm going to suggest is more than just notify, no, noticing what day it is. It's more about how do you feel on that day? What's your energy level? What's your, what's your creativity like? What's your libido? What's your body awareness? What are your dreams? What, food are you craving? What exercise are you going to do or not wanting to do, etc.? So you start to see, holy moly, I feel different every day. You know, just a little side bubble here. There's a drug that came out recently from um, Canada, actually, called Seasonal. And its tagline, and the point of it was to, to stop menstruation. Like, oh, so you take, this, you take this medication, so you have you just eradicate your menstrual cycle Mm. and called seasonal, which I thought was a bad Mm -hmm. trick. (laughs) But their tagline was, feel the same every day. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we do not feel the same every day. And that's not a bad thing. That's that's what the earth does. And we are all as if the earth and our cycle takes us through that. So once, once you start to chart your cycle, and I mean, like I said, your experience of your cycle, you start to see what's actually going on. And then you get really clever like you and you plan your life around it. Mm. So if you don't plan your life around it, then stuff will happen so that you have to. 
And we're not just talking about the bleeding phase here. If you plan your life around your menstrual cycle, one of the greatest parts that you can plan around is your ovulation. So your ovulation is on average in the middle of your cycle. But, you know, we could go into a whole menstrual cycle education thing to know about the two halves and the four weeks and maybe we'll do that another time. But your ovulation, when you're fertile, and there's also another time in your cycle when you're fertile, and that's the time when the moon is in the same phase as it was on the day that you were born. What? It's called, yes. It's called your lunar return ovulation. So I'll come back to that in a second. But just yeah, Just to say that part of the cycle to plan your life around is your ovulation. So when you're ovulating, just before you're ovulating, you have more energy than you're ever going to have in your cycle each month, you know, same thing. And you have creative impulses and urgent creative impulses that you can use mm-hmm. for projects that you need to give that, you know, big energy to. And if you, if you have a presentation to make, a presentation that you want to convince people to go along with or an idea or whatever, if you do that when you're ovulating, you will have them eating out of your hands. You're on fire. <laughs> yes, you're on fire. Everybody like wants a bit of you and you <laughs> smell, in inverted commas, just so delicious. You're, um, an ovulating woman is the most charismatic, articulate, out there, attractive, a human being can ever be. Mm. So like harness your ovulation power. It is like (laughs) magic and you don't ovulate when you're on the pill or any hormonal contraception. Mm. And if you're on a hormonal contraception, the blood that comes is not a period. So shall I tell you about the lunar? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when the moon is in the same phase as it was on the day that you were born, so the way to find that out is you Google yeah. your birth date, time, place, because obviously it's different in hemispheres and time, and it'll give you the phase of the moon. And it might, depending on the website, it might just give you a percentage and you've got to find the right information to give you how, what day moon phase. So the magic of this is that every phase of the moon returning to that so if you were born on a full moon say then every full moon regardless of where your menstrual cycle's at like even if you're bleeding you have the potential so it's not at absolute you have the potential to ovulate so without any signs some women have signs but without usually not but doesn't an egg have to be dropped it just comes so it could be dropped even if you're bleeding. Yeah. So the thing about eggs is that they take 100 days to ripen. So you've got a series of eggs going through the process that are ready, you know, and then the most mature like one. Like chickens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the most mature one hatches, so to speak, in right. the menstrual cycle. But there's others that are there ready all the time anyway. So Whoa. this is the thing that explains everybody like I don't know how I got pregnant I was mm-hmm. bleeding or or whatever and I, I imagine if you did a little show of hands with your listeners there'd be many women who got pregnant without thinking they possibly could and it'll it'll be this so there's been studies around this and uh they originated 
in Eastern Europe where there was a uh, Catholic um, infertility uh, clinic and the guy who, the doctor who was championing it, running it, was also interested in astrology himself. And so what they noticed with the women in this clinic, in this collective, was that a lot of them were getting pregnant outside their cycle, you know, when they were predicting the ovulation. They were really watching it because that was the focus. And this guy did the the, uh, information collecting and realised that they were getting pregnant or conceiving on the same phase as the phase they were born under. So it's very important contraception information. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're doing fertility awareness, you better go figure this out because this is is the final piece, I suppose. Yeah, and also for conception. Right. You know, like it's it's another opportunity to um, get to to conceive. Yeah. Yeah. So, and all of this, you know, every, all of this, (laughs) I mean, I know you know this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. It's all about containing and silencing the wild female, the wild woman, right? So plugging it up and giving her season all to be the same every day and, you know, not, not having any integration of, our blood mysteries, compartmentalizing birth with strangers in hospital rooms. I mean, all of it is all this, quite frankly, pathetic and obviously highly offensive, but but relatively successful attempt to uh, to quiet, you know, that which uh, religion is very afraid of, that which uh, you know, all, all all branches of patriarchy is is just desperately trying to to quiet, right? Which is the wild woman. And so part of this, um, part of, you know, the free birth and the wild pregnancies and the, you know, um, you know, rewriting our rites of passage and ceremony and the willingness to be wild, the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to be in our power. And actually the, the, the deep requirement that we need from women to be doing this, you know, however it looks for them. It's obviously can be a look, looking a lot of different ways, but we absolutely, you know, that the path is here to stop uh, capitulating to this notion of silencing our wildness. Uh, you know, there's so many points in our life where we kind of get confronted as females of, of this just, you know, offensive, um, uh, uh, agenda. Right. And so that's part of, you know, that's really at the, at the crux of just how exciting all of this is because it's actually very, very, very simple. And my choice to center, uh, you know, my blood and my choice to, uh, speak, speak positively about it and my choice to, um, to you know work with any any programmed shame that i felt about my body and not not give it any energy my choice to look in the mirror naked and thank you know my body instead of stand there and critique it all of this is greatly intentional to express my wildness because that mm-hmm. is what I want to see in the world. And I birthed wildly and I mother wildly for, for what that means for me, which is really quite simple. It's just being in my power and, and allowing 
the expression of my of my femaleness, which I'm so fucking proud of. And mm. I want to see more of that. And so, you know, I, I I really hope one of the takeaways from this conversation is it's simple. It can start and it does start with your thoughts. So if you are someone who has the rhetoric, oh, I hate my periods, they hurt, I'm totally at the effect of them. Okay, so there we go. That's where we start. So what new sentence are you willing to replace it? Are you willing to confront your own internalized misogyny about what you think of your own blood? And if you are willing, then it starts with loving thoughts and just replace them. Fake it till you make it, you know, just replace them. When you see your blood, say thank you out loud and see how that feels. Just see how it feels. Try it on, you know, do something weird, paint a picture with your blood, do something strange and see how it feels to be in your wildness, you know, and know that we're all doing it together. And it's, it's just, it's absolutely imperative. Absolutely. And, you know, like the wildness reclaiming our wildness, uh, rewilding women, which basically means us returning to our natural state. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like laughable. <laughs> yeah. Shifting from being domesticated and tamed. Right. So the opposite to wild is domesticated and tamed. Right. You know, so when we rewild ourselves and it's so easy to do. Right. Like one example you just said, then we will become the women the earth needs now. Mm. And that's our job. Like we are at a place in the history and history of humanity and the world where domesticated and tamed women are kind of useless. Mm. So rewilding ourselves, returning to our nature, living our lives as as if we are the earth, will be what's ne- needed now. Being, and that's another one of Janine's little sayings. We need to be the women the earth needs now. Mm. That's beautiful. That's so I've been saying this week to my business partner that we have to become the sisters that we want to see in the world. We have to become the elders that we want to see because a lot of women are desperately looking around for an apprenticeship in traditional midwifery or an elder mentor. And for most women, they don't fucking exist, right? Mm-hmm. Because everyone's gotten domesticated. And so, of course, some still exist like you and other. I happen to be very privileged to have some elders in my life, but it's it's not, they're not, you know, falling off the trees at, you know, at us. It's, they're not, they're not everywhere. And so we have to become it. And it's, it's a total paradigm shift of instead of waiting, uh, you know, to be led on this path to actually you know, claim it as our own and set ourselves up for who, you know, who do we want to be as elders? Who do we want to be as postmenopausal women? You know, what wisdom are we collecting now and what story are we leaving our daughters? You know, everyone's birthing in captivity. Everyone's acting as if, you know, their blood doesn't matter. And then, you know, everyone's so shocked that everyone's disconnected and in therapy and, and depressed, you know, and on pharmaceuticals. Like it's all, we all know that it in some way is so obvious And again, you know, I just want the takeaway to be, this isn't complicated. And and if you can sit with your blood, if you can think positive thoughts, you've begun the process of reclaiming it. 
Mm. Right? I mean, it's it's really simple. And then you might notice that you don't have a strong desire to plug it up. And maybe you're interested in bleeding and looking at it, you know, and maybe then you do notice since you're bleeding, you know, onto underwear or pad or free bleeding that you aren't going to go out of the house that day. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just so contagious. The more in relationship we become with ourselves, this is not, our blood is not something that happens to us. It is us. Just like birth isn't something that happens to us. It is us. It is our power. And it's this total lie that we obviously have to Uh, contend with and move on from, that it's something that we are at the effect of and that is happening to us to be, you know, demonized or vilified. And that's just so, um, that's so patriarchal and, and wrong. And so, you know, all of us have either whispers or screams of this stuff inside. And so that's why I wanted to have this conversation because it's just, it, it's just so simple. And like you said, so, so, so important. Mm. And easy. Right, and easy. <laughs> right. And, and, and a healing journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of the human problem is that we think we're something special. And <laughs> we're no more special than any other animal. And that's what we are. We're an animal. And we're a mammal. And certain conditions are required by mammals to give birth and to, to live a healthy life. And if we, all we have to do is look in the zoos to see what happens to animals when they are bred in captivity. And it's, they go nutty. Yeah. I mean, you know? it's happening to us. Exactly. We're, we're gener- generations deep of, you know, birthing in captivity and walking away with deep trauma and disconnection and lack of bonding and a total disruption of the hormonal matrix. And then women, you know, we have generations of women who aren't breastfeeding and who think they're broken and that creates consumerism for a lifetime on the system. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, now we have to have this like movement of getting powerful again and that's okay. Cause here we are and it is happening and women are powerful. What I love about it, what I take so much great comfort in is this is a remembering. It's not a recreation. Like you don't have to yes. go out and get you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to do anything. It's a journey of actually being in your truth, which is a powerful ass bitch witch, you know? Yeah. And if you don't know that yet, that's okay, you know? And mm. you you can work on knowing that. But the mm. power is us, which is why, you know, patriarchy's done everything it possibly can think of to silence, kill, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, make it as small and quiet as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, step one is to inhabit our body. Mm-hmm, exactly. Which is so discouraged. And also with a lot of the um, traditions to date about ascension and leaving your body mm-hmm. and, you know, we actually need to come into our bodies, not leave our bodies. And the female body is all about that. Mm-hmm. So. Realizing that our bodies are our temple and that's where we can live and that in a temple you have to do certain things to keep it sacred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't let everyone in. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> invitation only. It's not a public library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else to, to say or offer? Oh, I guess another little piece is that menstrual blood is one of the body fluids that has the most stem cells in it. Mm-hmm. And that will be on purpose, of course. Mm -hmm. And so another reason to not use tampons and a reason if you use a menstrual cup to not use it all the time so that the blood coats your vagina and your labia on the way out. So I think that's another inbuilt healing mechanism of the blood. And there's lots of things you can do with your blood. You know, put it on your forehead on your third eye and dream on it and Hmm. um, especially return your blood to the earth and let go of all that no longer serves you and give thanks for what you need to bring into your life for healing. So blood prayers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a precious thing. Right. Precious, precious thing. Hmm. Awesome. Well, if anyone would like to follow you and learn more about, about your wonderful offerings in the world, where can people find you? Okay, I've got a website called janehardwickcollings.com and there's lots of things on there that I've written about all the things ranging from birth to menopause and everything in between. And uh, my bookshop's on there. I've written quite a few books. And then the other thing that I'm... I I founded the School of Shamanic Womancraft, which is a modern-day women's mysteries school, and Mm. we offer all kinds of workshops and year-long programs. And I'm I'm going actually to England for the third time next year to do a program over there. There's lots of programs in Australia. And I'm hoping to come over to um, the Americas in 2021 to do a year-long program so there's lots of information there on the school of shamanic womancraft.com website so i'm on instagram jane hardwick collings and lots of things going on there particularly a a campaign at the moment called waking the witches with lots of good little tidbits of information that um, are really helpful the latest one has been about the detriment to our bodies of shaving pubic hair Mm. and also on facebook and yeah, so lots of things on offer. Beautiful. And I'd love to have you on another time to talk post-menopause or, or post-menopausal experience and, or post-menstrual experience and what that rite of passage looked like for you. And, and that's something my mom just went through it and it's on my mind uh, as, a, as a thing that does not get talked about, mm. even in you know, conscious progressive spaces because a lot of those women, you know, might not be there yet. And so how do we talk about it in this continuum, you know, concept in this preparation, um, you know, and because there's such a, uh, what's the right word, like a, a void of, uh, you know, all the, all the phases of women being together, you know, because the maiden and the mother often don't have the crones around, um, you know, to learn from and to, and to see how they walk through gracefully and, and what it is like and what comes up at that stage. Um, anyway, so I would love to have you. Yeah, awesome. I would love to do that because, you know, like as a midwife, I thought there couldn't be anything more transformational than giving birth. 
I couldn't imagine it until I went through menopause. Wow. And, you know, like it is like, as Dr. Christian Northrup calls it, the mother of all wake-up calls. Wow. Everything that you've swept under the carpet comes out at menopause. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that can be dealt with by getting ready for it in the same way that you might prepare for childbirth. You need to prepare for menopause. Mm. And your menstrual cycle helps you do that. So, yeah, I'd love to share that with you. Okay, beautiful. Well, we'll leave that little teaser at the end here. And thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.